Thank you for tuning in to Aggie Catholic Talks. This talk is a recording from Magnify on February 24th, 2022. Our guest speaker was Bishop Mike Sis, who is a former pastor of St. Mary's. He spoke about the season of Lent, including how to prepare individually for it, as well as how to answer common questions from non-Catholics. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with talks like this, as well as others from Magnify, Let's Talk About, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gigum. It's a real joy to be back in Aggieland with you, and I know many of you have never even heard of me before, but this place means a lot to me because I served here for 13 and a half years as, as priest, serving students like you, although uh, some of those that were students when I was here have come back tonight, and I'm really glad to see your smiling faces uh, throughout the group here. And but so I grew up in Bryan, Texas, and the reason why I grew up in Bryan, Texas is because my dad was a professor here at the anatomy department in the veterinary school for 35 years. He taught here, and in fact, when I was a little kid, my mom was the director of religious education right here at St. Mary's. And I was just a little kid, and so I have roots here. Uh, I have uh, every square inch of this place has memories for me, beautiful memories. And so when I became a priest, I became a priest for the Diocese of Austin because that's where this town is, the Diocese of Austin. And so the, the bishop sent me here, and when the bishop asked me, I was working at a church in East Austin, he said, Michael, would you like to go work at A&M? And I said, no, I would prefer where I am because I really liked where I was. And then he came back a couple weeks later and he says, Michael, I need you to go to A&M. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm happy to go there. Uh, and so I, I loved my time of service here as a priest. I lived in that house right across the street there longer than I lived anywhere else in my whole life. I spent more years living in that house as a priest here than anywhere else. So obviously this place means a lot to me. And so I left in the summer of 05, and so the priest who came and took my place here when I left was Father David Condorla. Some of y'all know Father David. And uh, I, I worked with him and several others in our time here. Some of you who are here tonight worked with me here in ministry. I joyfully poured my heart, my energies, my mind, and my prayer into the, the life of this community here. And I'm grateful to God for the beautiful experiences that I had here at St. Mary's Catholic Center. And I want to thank Kevin and Father Will for inviting me to come to this. I think they must have invited me like a year ago or something, a long time ago, because they plan in advance over here at St. Mary's. And uh, it's been on my calendar for a long time. And I drove over here today from where I live in San Angelo, which is in West Texas. And so it took me about four and a half hours to get here. And uh, I'm very happy that the weather cooperated because it was kind of threatening with ice, but I got here. And so when I asked Kevin, what topic would you like me to talk about? He said I, I, he would really recommend that I talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent because you know, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and so that's what I'm going to be talking about. Lent, Ash Wednesday, and Lent. And especially for you who are students at this large state university, 
Next Wednesday is more than just the beginning of Lent. Next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, is an opportunity for you to witness your faith on that day in particular. It's a day for you to enter into dialogue with others about the meaning of that day and the meaning of what we do on that day and what it is to be a Catholic. It's an opportunity to enter into dialogue with others that you come across on campus on that beautiful day. Uh, Ash Wednesday was so important in my ministry here that when I went out to West Texas, I decided every Ash Wednesday, I'm going to be on college campuses. And so that's the way I, my whole life as a bishop, every Ash Wednesday, that's where I'm going to be, on college campuses, whether it's in Midland or Odessa or Abilene, because a lot of good things happen on Ash Wednesday, and you can be a part of that. And so I want you to think about the fact that you have opportunities to witness even with something as simple as wearing ashes on your head on this campus. Think about the fact that a university is a place for the exchange of ideas. And in that exchange of ideas, our Catholic worldview has a right to be a part of that dialogue. Because after all, the first universities in the world were established as Catholic institutions and many of them still are in existence in Italy and France and other places. And so we have a place at the table at a university. And in the exchange of ideas and worldviews, our Catholic worldview has just as much a right as anybody else to enter into those conversations. And Ash Wednesday is a good opportunity for that. And so to prepare in advance for some good dialogue on Ash Wednesday and throughout Lent, I'm going to be presenting to you some common questions that we sometimes get as Catholics around Lent and Ash Wednesday. And it's the, the whole structure of this talk is kind of built around questions and some answers to those questions. Okay? And I know, i got to be done by 8.30. Okay? So, i got a lot of stuff, and let's see if I can squeeze it in by 8.30. So first of all, people might ask, well, why is it that y'all have Ash Wednesday and Lent? Are y'all just trying to save yourselves through good works? And the answer is no. Our Lenten practices are not intended to win our salvation. Our salvation was won by Jesus Christ on the cross in the year 33 AD. We are responding to that. Our response to God's unconditional love we carry out our Lenten practices in order to open ourselves more fully to the gift of God's ongoing gift of grace so that we can grow even more close to Him. So the reason for our Lenten practices is not to win salvation, it's to respond to it so that we can grow even more deeply in the love of Jesus Christ. Another question you might encounter on Ash Wednesday as you're going around campus or in your dorm room or at work or something, somebody might say, what's that on your forehead? Did you forget to wash your face? Did you get copy toner on you? The answer is no, it's not copy toner. What it is is ashes that are made from burning the palms from last year's Palm Sunday. That's where we get those ashes that we put on our heads. Now, by the way, let me tell you a cool little story about burning ashes here at St. Mary's. This comes from my time, way back at the turn of the century, okay? 
We had a wonderful deacon who served here for many years, and his name was Deacon Bill Scott. Some of y'all remember Deacon Bill. He has since gone to his permanent home in heaven. Now, Deacon Bill Scott, when he was here at AM, was an instructor in the civil engineering department. He used to call it Catholic engineering department. <laughs> and Deacon Bill knew the best way to burn palms in a low oxygen environment so that you could get the darkest ashes possible. And he had it all figured out. And so Deacon Bill taught that method to one of our students. And this student was studying agronomy. And so he already knew something about plants. And for five years in a row, that particular student, taught by Deacon Bill, was the one who burned our palms every year for Ash Wednesday. And we had such good ashes that clergy from other churches in town <laughs> would call me and they would say, can we get some of your stock of ashes? <laughs> Methodists, Presbyterians, they would ask us ashes. And of course, I was happy to share them because I knew we had some good, awesome ashes. <laughs> and so this particular student was one of the first two students to live in the student apartments that we put on the second floor of this student center when we built this place, back around 97 or so. And the, the, the deal was this, that the student could live here for free in exchange for about 15 hours of work during the week, doing things like cleaning floors, mowing the grass, and stuff like that. So this particular student, oh, by the way, St. Mary's still burns ashes the same way every year. And so, so that anyway, you might wonder, who was that student burning those ashes five years in a row back then around the turn of the century? Well, his name was Will Stratton. So, Will Stratton, uh, his major in the agronomy department was actually grasses. I don't know if you knew that. It was grasses. You know, like turf management and the right kind of grass for the right kind of usage. That was his major. And so he knew how to do a lot of stuff. So anyway, I hired Will as a student worker here, and I was his direct supervisor when I first hired him. That was before Glenn came on board and became his supervisor. So just think about this life path of this guy. He grows up, he grows up in, in Tours, Texas. That's right, Tours, Texas, near Waco. And he comes over here to AM. He he goes from mowing our grass and cleaning floors and burning ashes to being the pastor of the best campus ministry in the whole country. And so thanks to Father Will, this place has a tradition of good ashes. <laughs> okay, so back to my questions, all right? Back to my topic. Why do you put ashes on your head? They might ask you. Why in the world would you have that smearing of ashes on your head? Well, the response is we're not doing it to try to prove that we're holier or superior to anybody. Wearing ashes on one's head is an ancient Christian practice of expressing repentance for our sins. You can find it in the Bible. You can find it in Job chapter 42, in Daniel chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 11. It is a biblical symbol of repentance from sins. In the Bible and in the ancient Christian church in the first centuries, 
people would put ashes on their heads as a proclamation that they're turning away from their sins and turning to God for mercy. And so, why do we wear them? We're wearing them as a way of saying, I'm not perfect, I need God. And I depend on the loving mercy of my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we're wearing the ashes. If anybody asks you next Wednesday. Also, of course, it's marking the fact that that's the beginning of the season of Lent. And there are it's a holy season for us. And that in itself is instructive to people. Remind them, different lots of different world religions have a holy season. For example, the Muslims have Ramadan. The Jews have Yom Kippur. And we Christians have Lent. It's a holy season for us, and we're starting it on Ash Wednesday. And I think people can respect that. So Lent is something that we Christians have been carrying out since the earliest centuries of Christianity. So people might ask you, oh, Lent, isn't that just a Catholic thing? No, it's not just a Catholic thing. In fact, most Christians in the world observe Lent, both Catholic Christians and non-Catholic Christians, including the Orthodox, the Lutherans, Episcopalians, Methodists, Presbyterians, and many, many more. In fact, the percentage of Christians in the world who do not observe Lent are a minority in the Christian world. Lent is a basic Christian experience and has been from the very beginning. So you might have people who think, they make you think, they, they, they get the idea that Lent is somehow a quirky little Catholic thing, but it is a basic Christian thing, and it always has been. So here's another question that you might get on Wednesday or leading up to Wednesday. Well, can, can non-Catholics come to your Ash Wednesday services, and can we get those ashes too? The answer is yes. Yes, you can. Anybody can receive the ashes, whether they're, whether they're Catholic or not. Anyone is welcome to come and get ashes. But, of course, they just need to come with an interior attitude of turning away from sins, because that's what it symbolizes. And if they want to do that, they're welcome to come. And as you know, some of the services are here on this property, and some of the services are in the Rudder Theater. And so, wherever you go, you can bring others as well, if they'd like to come. And here's another interesting curiosity that you might get if you get into conversations about this. And the question is, is the distribution of ashes a sacrament of your religion? The answer is no. The distribution of, sac of ashes is not a sacrament. It is a sacramental. There's a difference there. A sacrament is something that was instituted by Christ himself. A sacramental is something that, that was instituted by the church. So what are some examples of sacramentals? Well, they would be, for example, holy water, the ashes for Lent, for Ash Wednesday, candles, rosaries, scapulars, medals, crucifixes, and various blessings. All of those are sacramentals. So a sacramental is, is an object or an action which supports our life of prayer. Those are sacramentals, and the, the distribution of ashes is one of those. All right, then you're getting into some conversation with people and they might say, well, what does Lent mean? Where do you get that word? Is that, what, 
Well, what's the root of that word? Well, it's an old Anglo-Saxon word, which was Lincoln, and the word Lincoln in Anglo-Saxon meant springtime, because literally what Lincoln means in Anglo-Saxon is lengthening, the lengthening of days. That's because here where we are in the Northern Hemisphere, from the winter solstice until the summer solstice, you gradually have the lengthening of days, right? Where the days are growing longer and the nights are growing shorter day by day, from late December to late June, right? And so the springtime was called Lenten, and that's the name that they, from which they derived the word Lent. And so you think about it, what's happening in this springtime. What's happening is that the light is gradually winning over the darkness. And that is symbolizing what ought to be happening in us spiritually as we make our way through Lent. The light should gradually be winning over the darkness in us. Lent is a season of ongoing conversion. Conversion is a turning away from the darkness of sin toward the light of Christ. It's turning away from illusory, dried up wells that do not give life and turning toward God who is our true fountain of love and abundant life. The season of Lent is about that kind of transformation. Now, here's something that any educated Catholic should know. What are the three basic Christian practices in Lent? The three basic practices are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. From the very beginning of our Christian faith, those three things are what we do in Lent. And so, when you're in Mass or a service on Ash Wednesday, the Gospel passage has Jesus talking about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, because Jesus was aware that those are three very important practices for growing in holiness. So, those, these practices that we choose to take on during Lent are opportunities for Christ to draw our hearts closer to his. Through these experiences of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, Christ is energizing us and gradually transforming us. And you know that as you approach Lent each year, you make choices. What you're going to do with your own observation of Lent. What are you going to do for prayer, fasting, and almsgiving each year? And it can vary from year to year. And so what I'd like to do now as much, oh, I don't have much time left. i got to finish by 8.30. Okay, I'm going to have to cut this kind of short, guys. I was going to, I have enough material to go a lot longer, but I'm not going to. Because Kevin said, 8.30, you're done. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple ideas for things you might consider for your prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. All right? For prayer, set aside some time to listen to God in prayer. Pay more attention to God. And in your personal decisions, as you organize what's going to be your Lent this year, think about some of these things that you might want to work into your plan. Things like this. Daily reading of your Bible. Going to Mass more often. Maybe inviting somebody to come with you. Praying perhaps morning prayer or evening prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours. Or the Rosary. Or the Chaplet of Divine Mercy or coming in here and praying these beautiful Stations of the Cross that Father David Condor put a 
several years ago. You can also do the, the Stations of the Cross anywhere, walking across campus, in your dorm room, anywhere. Or another thing I recommend is that you go to confession during Lent. Receive the, the Holy Sacrament of Reconciliation, penance. Those are just a few ideas for the prayer part. Now, let's look at the almsgiving part. What is almsgiving? Almsgiving is the good deeds we do to help others. That's almsgiving. It's sharing some of our time or our space or our money or our material goods. Giving away something that belongs to us. So you might try to work into your lens and plan some kind of almsgiving. Because through almsgiving, we're trying to serve the poor and to see Jesus in the poor. And I don't know if you still do it here, but what we used to do here is we would have these little cardboard coin boxes and people would put coins in them during Lent. And each time you put coins in, you think about the people that are going to be benefiting from that donation, the poor around the world. I don't know if y'all still do that here. Do they? Yeah, okay. We do it out in West Texas too. It's a good thing. And so the idea is some action that you would choose to do of service or outreach to those in need so that Lent can be a time for you to be more aware of the needs of others and respond to them. Now let's talk about that third one, fasting. All right, I'm going to have to talk fast. Fasting. <laughs> fasting is any kind of voluntary reduction of food or drink or luxuries. From the very beginning of Christianity, Fasting has been a practice. You see it referred to many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. With fasting, we're reminding ourselves when we feel some hunger, some unsatisfied appetite, it reminds us to hunger and thirst for God. Because only God will satisfy the deepest hunger and longing of your heart. God is our greatest treasure. And there are there is nothing in the world that compares with God. And by fasting, we're reminding ourselves not to allow other things to get in the way of God. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And so, that's fasting. Part of fasting is abstinence, where you choose to give up certain things like meat or dessert or candy or whatever. And so what you're doing, when you're choosing to do without those things, you're making a, a free choice to sacrifice in order to connect more personally with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And so fasting and abstinence is a very important part of what you need to put together package of what's going to be your practices this year. Let me see. I want to cut out some of this because I'm running out of time. Um, let's see here. Ah, here's a question that, that we used to sometimes get here at College Station. People would say, oh, you Catholics, if you give up something for Lent, why don't you give it up all the time if you're giving up just for Lent? Well, the response to that is that the things that we're giving up for Lent are not necessarily bad in themselves. For example, if we give up candy or meat or ice cream or something, it's not because those things are evil or bad. They're part of the good fruits of God's beautiful earth, but we're freely choosing to give them up because we're choosing to take on a sacrifice, the sacrifice of doing without them. That's the idea of why we give them up. 
So to summarize the whole fasting part, we're giving certain things up and feeling a bit of emptiness because we're missing them. Why? First of all, to connect with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Next, to deepen our solidarity with the poor. Also, to remember not to take those things for granted. And finally, because we want to be filled with Jesus Christ. Because if you want to be filled with Jesus, you need to make some room to let him in. So all those special practices of Lent, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, sacrifices, self-denial, service, all of that stuff that you choose is going to be your particular practices this year, those things are intended to bring us into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the point of it all. The point is that Jesus is so important to me that I am willing to sacrifice something for the sake of that relationship. Now let me conclude here. Ash Wednesday and Lent help us to remember that as Catholic Christians, we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're not alone. We are connected. We belong to a community of faith that stretches around the world and that reaches back through 2,000 years of history to God himself, Jesus of Nazareth. I want to thank you all for being here tonight and for listening patiently to me and hopefully not going to sleep as I was speaking. <laughs> the fact that you chose to come here tonight to magnify on a Thursday night gives me great hope for the future of our church and for the future of our world. I will be praying for you, and I invite you to pray for me every once in a while. God bless you all. Now, my friends, I'm going to close with a little prayer as we lead into the next part of Magnify, which is actually a much more important part than what I just did. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we prepare for the season of Lent, we're asking you to make this our best Lent ever. Help us to choose practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that will lead our hearts to you, the one who satisfies the deepest longings and desires in our life. We ask you this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit,